just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We're into the weekend, so that's good. We've got that going for us. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I wasn't sure if I was even going to do this podcast today. Not because I didn't have things to talk about. Not because I didn't want to have the podcast for you folks, but I'm having a problem uh, with my Anchor hosting site. Now, I'm not sure where the problem is, and I call them, and they're not sure where the problem is. Here's the thing. I know how many listens an average podcast gets every day. The last two podcasts I put out yesterday, one with Ed and one with just me, uh, are showing little, if any, listens, way less than I normally get. So I immediately think, well, there's a fucking problem. So I contact Anchor and I say, look, man, there's something going on here. What's going on? I need to get this fixed. See, the problem here is I don't know if I'm just getting bad numbers and there's a glitch in the process or it's just not getting out to the people it would normally get out to. I don't know which is which. If it's just the numbers, I can kind of live with that. I don't need that for my ego. But if I think that there are people out there that are expecting the podcast and not getting the podcast, now I'm fucking pissed. So when I talked to them, I said, what's the deal? And nobody really had a good answer. Um, The thing is, is what they said is, well, sometimes Spotify uh, is slow in getting the analytics because apparently they do it. And I said, so? And they said, well, wait 24 hours and it should catch up. I said, that's fine, but if it's never done that before, and now it's doing it now, clearly that tells us something is wrong. And I have to say, it has happened one time before for a day or two, a similar situation. So hopefully it comes back out of it and uh, everything is fine. But it's kind of annoying to me that when I call somebody and I say, I got a problem, they say, well, just wait 24 hours, it'll probably get better. And then they send me a bunch of links for fucking articles. I don't want to read articles. I want you to fix what you're doing so I can continue doing what the fuck I'm doing. Now, I know this might piss some people off at Anchor, and it might confuse some of you because you will hear in these podcasts that I'll do these little commercials saying Anchor's a great place. And let's be honest. I've done 437 shows or whatever, and 99.9999% of the time, Anchor has been great. I Everything I say in that commercial is true. I believe it. But the bottom line is if you sit down and do a podcast every day, you want to make sure all the people that want to hear it can hear it, and I just don't know if that's the case. So I'm doing this podcast as kind of a test. We'll see what happens here. And... Uh, I have a feeling that I would hear from more people if they weren't getting it. So then maybe it's just the numbers. I don't know. But let's just get this fucker right. Let's just do this. I mean, if I have to take it to another hosting site, I'll do that. At this stage of the game, I have enough listeners where I can't, I can't 
exclude people or, or get them in a position where they can't get the podcast if they fucking want it. So I'm a little annoyed today, and I apologize for that. I'm not annoyed with you, but I am annoyed. Sometimes my best shows are when I'm annoyed. I've got two emails. Now, this first email annoys the fuck out of me. And I have to be careful because I don't want to blame the guy who wrote this. I'm just annoyed by the fucking topic. I don't get it here because you can't see me. But on TikTok, I will get it from time to time. And everybody's a fucking expert telling me what I should and what I shouldn't do. Let me read the email to you. And if you've seen me on TikTok, you know what I'm talking about. He starts out, his name is Pete. He says, hey, Mike, I've noticed a red spot on your nose that never goes away. And now I noticed it's getting larger. I suggest that you see a dermatologist and get it checked out. I had a spot on my bald head that a dermatologist removed and a lab confirmed it was cancer. I'm doing fine now. No issues. It was an easy, painless procedure. Good luck. Now, you know how many people on TikTok, I got this spot on my nose, and um, it's been there for a while, for a long while. I mean, if it was cancer, it would have fucking killed me by now. And, and secondly, secondly, you think I don't have shit checked out? You really don't? I've had it checked out. It's not cancer. Just shut up about it. I mean, if you want to talk about aesthetics for me, I got bigger issues to fucking fix, but I'm a 62-year-old man. I look the way I fucking look, and if you don't like it, don't fucking watch. I don't care. No, I don't have cancer. And 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 if you think I'm not sensitive enough about it and I don't, uh, I'm not serious enough about it, let me just tell you, when I was 29, I had testicular cancer. I had an operation. I had radiation. I went through it. I will never say I'm a cancer survivor, even though I technically am, because I didn't go through that much shit. It was caught early. It was maybe four or five weeks inconvenience out of my life. It wasn't the greatest time of my life, but uh, we got it done and got it behind us. And I don't worry about shit that happened yesterday. But for those of you that see me on TikTok and see this spot on my nose, it's not fucking cancer. Of course I have it checked out. Everybody's an expert. Oh, you got cancer. You better check. Fuck you. No, I don't. And Pete, I'm not saying this just to you. Um, I appreciate you emailing. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your concern. But when you hear it over and over and over again, it gets a little fucking annoying. It's not cancer. It's just some kind of, you know... maybe I popped a zit or something and there's some kind of uh, discoloration. That's what the doctor told me. That's all it is. So don't fucking worry about that shit. Nobody cares. That's not the worst thing I got going for me. I got other issues. People will comment about my hair, my teeth, my eyes. I don't give a fuck. I'm not here to be a thirst trap or to be excessively attractive to somebody. I am who I am. I look the way I look. You can either deal with it or go to some other fucking person. I don't care. <laughs> I told you, man, I'm annoyed today, so bear with me. And Pete, I'm not I'm not kicking your ass. I'm really not. Uh, it's just the continuing having to answer that question. I'm fucking tired of it. That's really the 
biggest thing you've gotten out of my TikToks? Really? That's the biggest thing? Anyway, let's talk about another email. This one doesn't annoy me. And by the way, Pete, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for emailing me. And as I said, I'm not getting on you. I'm getting on the whole topic in general. It's just a waste of fucking time. This one comes from, who does this come from? This is coming from uh, Paige. Paige has written before. She says, hi, Mike. I have not written in a while, but I still listen every single morning with my coffee in hand. You and your guest always do a great job getting my day started. Each episode reassures me I'm not alone. No matter what mainstream media is reporting or what crazy MAGA I may run into later in the day. Well, Paige, you are definitely not alone. <laughs> well, you might be on this show if nobody's fucking listening to it. Thanks, Anchor. Every morning, there is a topic I could write you on, and most mornings, I think I should jump on and talk with you, maybe one day soon. But until then, I had to stop this morning's podcast to write this before my day gets too busy. You nailed the problem with Donald Trump. You're 100% correct. His crimes are horrendous. They may not all be a matter of physical harm to individuals, but I think history is going to unfold over the last 40 years that Trump has been involved with the loss of lives, disappearance of others, and is already uh, known during his Atlantic days that he financially bankrupted contractors. Grew up in, I grew up in Philadelphia and could not believe he stood a chance to even make it on the stage at RNC based on his history. Your instinct and comparison of Jeffrey Dahmer and Trump, unfortunately, is very accurate. The red flags and loved ones, the people of authority, all downplaying the red flags, always swooping in to coddle both these men, was not only a detriment to their future crimes, but to our society as a whole. I may be in the minority on this. However, I firmly believe that when, if, if media and history is written accurately, we'll find Trump has harmed more humans in different ways than any person on earth. I promise I am a sound person saying this. I have been considering starting a platform to hear more of these personal stories, not to bring up the past, but more on a national level or group therapy. I'm unsure there is an interest, but I think there is a need. Well, I'll tell you this, Paige. I wasn't sure there was a was an interest in what I had to say. And um, frankly, we find out that there is. And um, don't worry about it. Just do it. Just do it. So many citizens have stories and so many different stories over so many decades. Some are famous, like Noel Kassler and Sammy the Bull, but many, many more are just average citizens who have been affected by him. Like the family member who lost a loved one to his blatant ignorance of COVID, to the family member who can no longer spend time with mom or dad who watches the, who watches the Fox channel, to the person who lost out on PPP money in their store, but Trump's family and corporations made millions. I know for a fact, as an accountant who completed forgiveness papers, for others. To the staff at his hotels he employed illegally that were thrust into the headlines, to people who lost money at his casino, Trump University, and other scams. I could go on and on about scenarios, 
but I imagine you get the point. They are limitless, and they run much deeper than the last six years. And while it may have taken a bit to see, the adults are indeed back in charge at the DOJ, led by Merrick Garland. Each day, their press releases assure us that they are working around the clock to hold more white-collar criminals accountable, like the amazing New York Attorney General Tish James. It really is only a matter of time before Trump and his fellow cronies will be indeed indicted on a national level, and a healing phase can soon begin. Now, she sent a correction. I'm not sure where she was necessarily wrong, and I'll get to that in a minute. And your ever-so-wise insight into the Trump-Dahmer comparison is spot on. There were red flags with Trump swept under the rug. It may be time to bring more of those out and let families heal. Speaking of families, too, the Alex Jones case this week is another fascinating look into greed, lies, and red flags inflict pain of so many. I cannot thank you enough for your daily podcast. You make us all feel political thoughts and feelings are indeed rational. Enjoy chasing your granddaughter Saturday. I love hearing about her and your love for your wife and your whole family. Sincerely, Paige. Well, there's another thing that fucking annoys me. My son's out of town. My grandson is out of town with his father, so there is no soccer game, so I'm not going to get to chase my granddaughter today. Fuck. Oh, man. I am in a mood. (laughs) Now, Paige sent me another email after this and says, I'm sincerely sorry for the correction, but below I should have wrote, we will find Trump has harmed more humans in different ways than any person in our country's history, not on earth. And I stand by that for our country. Just when I wrote this morning, I was zeroed in on Trump. I momentarily forgot Hitler and Putin. Forgive me. Now that I have had my coffee, my error popped into my head. Thank you for understanding. Now, I don't know that you're wrong in the first part, Paige. I mean, granted, most of his damage was done in this country. But when he became president, he created a lot of problems for other people in other countries. You know, everything from the economy to COVID. I mean, think about this, Paige. Had we been more proactive, had he done his job as a president when it came to COVID, how many fewer people would have died? And how many people would, fewer people would have died in other countries? Because when America does nothing, then it kind of explodes. And that leaches out into Canada, Mexico, Europe, whatever. It goes both ways. So, Paige, I don't, I don't really think you were wrong that uh, Donald Trump may be one of the most despicable humans in, on earth. That's conceivable. I mean, to compare him to Hitler or some of these other people, yeah, I get it. He's not as bad as Hitler. But he's pretty fucking bad. He's really bad for this country. And he did nobody in other countries any fucking favors. Well, I saw an interesting thing on TV yesterday. It was basically a promo or a teaser for the TV show 60 Minutes. Now, on Friday, 60 Minutes revealed that Denver Riggleman, a key staffer for the House Select Committee on January 6th, discovered the White House switchboard patched through to the phone of a Capitol rioter 
while the attack was in progress. Holy fuck. I mean, that's serious. Riggleman, an ex-military intelligence officer and former Republican congressman from Virginia, oversaw a data-driven operation for the January 6th committee, pursuing phone records and other digital clues tied to the attack on the Capitol. He stopped working for the committee in April, reported Keith Zubro. You get a real aha moment when you see that the White House switchboard had connected to a rioter's phone while it's happening, said Riggleman. 60 Minutes, Bill Whitaker. That's a pretty big aha moment, and I'd have to agree. He added, I only know one end of that call. I don't know the White House end, which I believe is more important. But the thing is, the American people need to know that there is a link connecting or connections that need to be explored more. This comes after a series of damning revelations about the involvement in support of former President Donald Trump in encouraging the people storming the Capitol. One of the biggest allegations to come from the public hearings by the Select Committee was the claim by former White House staffer Cassidy Hutchinson that Trump demanded the rioters to be allowed onto the premises because they're not here to hurt me, and that he lunged at his security deal detail in a car after he, they refused to take him to the Capitol to join the attackers. Well, the idea that someone in the White House, maybe Donald Trump, maybe Mark Meadows, maybe Ivanka, who the fuck knows, was talking to the insurrectionist when the insurrection was happening, that's not all that surprising to us. But what is compelling here is that that bit of information, that bit of evidence, is corroborating evidence. It's one thing to say it, or think it, or believe it. But when you have actual evidence of what is going on, that's, that says a lot. That puts Donald Trump in a bad position. That puts the White House staff in a bad position. And it, it suggests they need more investigation. I got to believe they'll be able to figure out who was on the White House end or at least which phone it came from and then then break it down to a couple of people. I'll guarantee it was somebody like Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows was the one getting all these text messages uh, from uh, uh, Jenny Thomas, Jim Jordan, Don Jr. We know he got one text from uh, um, a insurrectionist, saying it's getting pretty ugly down here. We need some direction. That in itself is pretty compelling evidence at this point. The fact that uh, the White House and the insurrectionists were connected is not surprising. The fact that there is actual evidence proving it has to be very troubling from those folks that were working in the White House on January 6, 2021. All right. Another guy, another fucking clown in the news. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy in the House of Representatives. A faction of far-right Republicans have all but promised they'll threaten a government shutdown if the GOP wins back the House of Representatives in the upcoming election, putting Leader Kevin McCarthy in a precarious position. 
Members of the Freedom Caucus have said they'll oppose any government funding bill that expires before the next Congress when Republicans could control the chamber and have more leverage to make demands. We should not fund a government that is continuing to allow open borders to endanger the American people, Representative Chip Roy of Texas. I hate that motherfucker. He thinks he's, if you ever see him, he thinks he's a fucking cowboy and he's a joke. He said that Wednesday on the House floor alongside Freedom Caucus Chair Scott Perry, who is yet another piece of shit. It's an illustration of the challenges that will confront McCarthy, the current House Minority Leader, if his party prevails in November midterms, especially if it wins by a small margin, which seems increasingly possible. I'll just say what Ed Jones said in the last podcast, assuming you heard it, We just can't allow that to happen. We can't allow the Republicans to take back the Senate. We can't allow the Republicans to take back the House of Representatives because then we're all in fucking very big trouble. I don't even want to think about that prospect. Earlier this year, polling suggested that Republicans would retake the House in a red wave, giving them gigantic majorities. But the polls have shifted, and the latest analysis from the Cook Political Report says only 212 races currently lean Republican, while 31 are toss-ups. Republicans need 218 for control. They could wind up with a majority as slim as the Democrats' current four-seat cushion, which was barely enough to pass a few symbolic police reform bills this week. Meanwhile, an initial letter from Roy this week about opposing a short-term funding bill, garnered 41 signatures from his fellow Republicans, and McCarthy has said he would vote no as well. Government funding expires at the end of next week, but Democrats plan to pass a so-called continuing resolution to prevent a shutdown and give current lawmakers time for a more complete funding bill after the midterms. But before new ones are seated, Democrats can pass the resolution without Republican help at this point. The Freedom Caucus would rather wait until next year when the GOP might have more power to vote on funding for the government. If we don't get change next week and, uh, and we get a continuing resolution into December, we should demand change in December, Roy said in his speech. And if we don't get change in December, we should demand change in January or February or March. See, this is what I mean. They're talking about shutdowns. They're overturning Roe v. Wade. They're suppressing votes of people of color. And somehow they think this is going to win them elections. I don't get it. I'm not interested in funding bureaucratic assholes who are making people less safe in Texas. Roy told Huffington Post on Thursday, if Biden wants to shut down the governments, that's on him. Now it's on you, motherfucker. Roy served as chief of staff to Senator Ted Cruz during the infamous or infamous 17-day shutdown that he helped lead in 2013. The move failed to defund then-President Barack Obama's Affordable Care Act, but Roy noted that Cruz did quite well in 2016 when he placed a distant second to Donald Trump in the Republican presidential primary. You think either one of those two motherfuckers could win a presidential election now? 
2016 is a long time ago. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since then. Neither one of those fuckers could win another race. A spending showdown is unlikely. In early 2023, Republicans and Democrats on the House and Senate Appropriations Committee are setting up a lame duck vote on an omnibus spending bill that would fund the government through next year. Representative Tom Cole, a veteran Republican appropriator from Oklahoma, told the Huffington Post that a short-term spending bill necessitating high-stakes votes in February or March would be unfair to newly elected lawmakers still settling into their offices, and he suggested it would be futile to try to placate the Freedom Caucus. See, this is what I love about these motherfuckers. They already think they have a win. They think they're going to win in the midterms, and as I've told you before, I just I just don't see it. I understand the House is a much different situation than the Senate with the gerrymandering and all this stuff, but things have gone so horribly for the Republicans in the last two years. What possibly happened to get them more votes? I mean, they can't retake it by fully just cheating especially if what's going to happen actually happens. And what I think that is, is you're going to get an unprecedented amount of Democrats out voting because they're scared to death about losing their democracy. And if there's an incredible turnout like there was in 2020, they're going to have a hard time beating it. Now, most of these Republicans have already lost support from independence, which they desperately need to win elections, and they've lost support from uh, a vast majority of the Republican Party. You see, the Republicans have split themselves up, which is never good in election. You've got the crazies, about 30% of the country, and then you've got the more stable, relatively stable Republicans who just can't align themselves with somebody who's an insurrectionist and a fucking treason. They aren't going to align themselves with these things. We sit and listen to the media, and the media constantly tells us, oh, it's going to be close. Oh, the Republicans are going to win. They've been telling us that for fucking two years. But they can only base it on one thing, and that is history. And unfortunately for them, history has changed dramatically. We have never seen anything like we're seeing now in history. We're seeing the Republicans coming apart at the fucking seams. They are split, and they aren't as powerful as they once were. And keep in mind, they don't have as many Republicans as there are Democrats in the fucking first place. They have to cheat to win. But if a lot of Democrats come out and vote because they're scared and they have every good reason to be scared, it's going to be tough to beat. I don't believe in going into something assuming we're going to lose, and the media loves to talk that way because it stirs things up, gets people excited, gets them to watch closer and closer so they can make more money. It has nothing to fucking do with the truth or facts or what's reasonable to consider in these situations. I get, as I told you before, I'm annoyed coming into this fucking thing, and this annoys me too. Because the media is not doing any favors for this country. The media, as well as the Republicans, are damaging this country. And I'm talking about the right-side media and the left-side media. 
They don't inform people properly. They don't give them all the facts. They only give them enough to get them excited so that they can make money. And this fucking pisses me off to no end. To fucking no end. All right. Let's take a quick break. And uh, we will be right back. Well, here we go. Yet another annoyance to fucking deal with. It's one of those days today. Nothing, nothing is fucking going right. Um. A little bit of good news. I did check my hosting site, and it now seems as though the numbers are starting to pick up a little bit on the two podcasts I did yesterday that were getting no numbers at all. That's the good news. The bad news, the next annoyance is, if you're listening to this podcast, you might say to yourself, you know, Mike, you sound a little different in the first half than you do in the second half, and you're absolutely fucking right. (laughs) The software I use to record uh, these podcasts on a computer was updated yesterday. It got whatever update that was going into it. So everything's kind of different on the software. So you have to assign a certain mic to get the certain recording. And I have the main mic that I normally use that you're normally used to listening to. But it wasn't assigned to that mic. It was assigned to a shittier mic. And so it sounds a little weird in the first half. Now in the second half, it should sound normal. Fucking A. Now, (laughs) Now, if you're in the right state of mind, if I'd been in the right state of mind, you'd say, well, maybe I should just do the first half over. And I thought to myself... Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. If it's understandable and it's fairly clear, we're going to go with it. Because I know if I go back and redo it, something else will get fucked up. I'm just going to get through this one. Hopefully the numbers start popping up again like they are. And uh, we'll get this one done. Uh, This is one of the things about doing the podcast every day that's very beneficial to me. And it's the same benefit I had back when I was doing traffic reports on the radio. I had to do one every 10 minutes. So if I did a traffic report and I fucked up or I said something wrong or it just didn't go right, I didn't worry about it. Mainly because, well, in 10 minutes I could fucking redo it. And with these podcasts, kind of the same thing. If this one doesn't go as well as I hope it will go, hopefully the content will be there for you. But if the quality one way or another is affected somehow... I'm doing another one fucking tomorrow. I'll just redeem myself then. All right. (laughs) Wow. Anyway. (laughs) Now, here's the irony of this whole fucking thing. As annoyed as I am right now, and I'm not annoyed at at my listeners. I love my listeners, and I appreciate you tolerating me on these days when I'm like this and I have these issues going on with the podcast. I appreciate it immensely. You, You don't even know. But it seems like there's always something new. It never stops. Like I have to get through the day with all the annoyances and then tomorrow it'll be fine. I'm sure of that. But this story, this story I know is annoying a lot of people, upsetting a lot of people. And it annoys me and I don't know enough about it as yet to really have an opinion. But what I do know, it's fucking annoying. It's about Matt Gates. Following a Washington Post report that the Department of Justice DOJ will likely 
not recommend sex trafficking charges against Representative Matt Gates. One legal mind shared his anger with the course of the investigation, calling it atrocious, atrocious prosecutorial practice. So that's that's what's been going on out there. We've been hearing these rumors that the DOJ may not prosecute Donald or not Donald Trump, Matt Gates for sex trafficking charges, even though we know he fucking did it. Why would they do that? Well, their excuse, and we'll talk about it more here, is that the uh, witnesses aren't credible. You mean like Joel Greenberg, the guy that's going to jail for sex trafficking? Now you figure out that he may not be a credible fucking witness? You didn't think about that before you went into this whole process, spent all this time and money to do this, and now you're going, well, I don't know if our witness is good enough. Anyway, Ellie Honig, a former federal prosecutor and senior legal analyst for CNN, explained the problems with the DOJ's moves on Twitter. The problem with DOJ's approach to the Gates case is you don't cooperate with a horrible person like Joel Greenberg unless and until you know for sure you can and will rely on his testimony. To flip Greenberg and decide later that he's unusable is an atrocious prosecutorial practice, Honig said. And I have to fucking agree. As much of the good things as the DOJ is currently doing, this is fucking stupid. The person Honig is referring to is Joel Greenberg. He was a former tax collector previously associated with Gates. He was charged in 2020 and pled guilty to sex trafficking of a minor in addition to a host of other charges. In cooperating with the DOJ for a deal, Greenberg provided evidence that pointed toward Gates allegedly committing similar crimes with minors. This evidence reportedly pointed toward Greenberg allegedly paying a 17-year-old girl to have sex with Gates. According to the Post, Greenberg, who is scheduled to be sentenced later this year, may receive a lighter sentence if it is decided that he gave substantial assistance toward other cases, including Gates's. He has already had 27 other charges against him drop in exchange for his cooperation. Well, here's the fucking deal. If his cooperation bears no fruit, he gets no fucking deal. That's my opinion. But are they still going to give him a deal if they can't trust his testimony? It's fucking annoying. There's that word again. However, Greenberg had already admitted to making up allegations about a different sexual relationship, and Honeg criticized the fact that the DOJ gave a deal to a witness without first making sure he was credible. Prosecutors flip bad guys all the time. Koenig said, I've flipped killers but you don't give a cooperation deal until you have fully vetted them and are sure that they are strongly corroborated, Honig added. To do otherwise is to cut Greenberg a huge break without making other big cases from his testimony. And that's exactly right. I hope to God that's not what the DOJ did. What we're hearing now is rumors. We don't know if it's true. And Matt Gates. Uh, if you're worried about him getting off scot-free, I wouldn't get too excited about that yet. Honig also said you don't flip an unspeakable, horrible person like Greenberg, admitted ch- child sex offender, perjurer, and fraudster to go after the riffraff. 
Gates, meanwhile, has continually denied any wrongdoing and has claimed his innocence since the investigation into him first started nearly two years ago. He is not completely out of the woods yet, however, as the House Ethics Committee also launched their own investigation in 2021. So he's not out of the woods. And here's another thing you got to consider with Matt Gates. There's a very good likelihood that he was involved in the insurrection. He almost sure he was involved. So when the House Select Committee starts having their hearings and they start bringing up names like Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, it's conceivable that Matt Gates's name will come up too. And uh, is that why they're not going after the child sex trafficking? They're seeing a bigger payday, as it were, with Matt Gates with the insurrection? I, I don't fucking know. But... If the DOJ in this country allows child sex traffickers to go free, I have a real fucking problem with the DOJ and Merrick Garland. That is fucking bullshit. We can love Merrick Garland for the things he's doing with Donald Trump, and I appreciate it. But no one is above the law. That's what they keep telling us, and that would mean Matt Gates too. So hopefully what we're hearing is not the whole story, and that's conceivable in this fucking worldview. We're constantly hearing rumors and bullshit, and half the time it's not even real. I'm angry about this story, as you're probably angry about this story, but let's wait and see what really comes out of this. I mean, a good example a good example of this is Mark Meadows. Remember, Mark Meadows was the closest guy to Donald Trump throughout his presidency and on January 6th. Um, but he wasn't indicted for not complying with a subpoena to the January 6th committee. Everybody go, they're just going to let him off? Well, it turns out, obviously, he's rolling over on Donald Trump. He's throwing Donald Trump under the bus. So there was something else to that deal that made it beneficial to lay off of Mark Meadows for a bit. The fact is, Mark Meadows may end up being indicted for something far more serious. And maybe that's what we're talking about with Matt Gates. I don't honestly know. Uh, he's been the least of my concerns lately. We've got to save democracy before we, we handle a fucking perverted child predator. But we've got to address that, too. We've got to fucking take care of that. We've got to get him out of office, get him in jail, because that's where this fuck belongs. And you can almost count on the fact that as much as he may or may not be guilty of the child sex trafficking, he's guilty of a number of things, and he's going to get got at one point or another. All right. Donald Trump's angry. If you've noticed some of the postings on his Truth Social, and you probably haven't because nobody's on that fucking app, but you've seen the press uh, reprint it, which I always found ironic. We kick him off Twitter, which I thought was a bad idea because we should let him talk because he implicates himself in something else every time he fucking talks. But we take him off Twitter. He goes on to True Social, does what he does. And there's only a few million people on there. It's, it's, it's not a lot compared to Twitter. But he posts this stuff where most people can't see it. So what does the fucking media do? Takes those posts and puts them on the air. So he's getting the same effect as he did with Twitter. Now, if Twitter canceled him, if Facebook canceled him, if Instagram canceled him, shouldn't the media cancel him? 
I've said this all along. This motherfucker needs to be taken out of the narrative. Every time he opens his mouth, as well as implicating himself, he stirs shit up. He causes problems. That should be our goal right now, to shut that motherfucker up, put him away, and take him out of the equation. So former President Trump railed against New York Attorney General Letitia James because she's fucking with his head. And he did it during a rally in North Carolina on Friday after James announced a civil lawsuit against him and his family businesses over allegations of fraud earlier this week. We talked about that. Um, he, uh, He is being sued by Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York for business fraud. And this business fraud is extensive and it's been going on for decades. And as I said in a previous podcast, okay, it's great that they're going to get him now on this civil case and probably wipe out his business in New York and fine him into bankruptcy. But it's been going on for decades. Why is it that he got away from with this for so long and nobody said a fucking thing? That should be investigated. The DOJ, the state uh, uh, law enforcement, they should investigate why he got away with this crazy shit that he was doing, undervaluing and overvaluing his properties for his financial benefit. Why has he gotten away from it so long? Trump traveled to the city of Wilmington, North Carolina, to campaign for Representative Ted Budd in his race for Senate against Democrat Cherry Beasley and for other Republican congressional candidates in the states. In his remarks, Trump said James's lawsuit is the best example of the left's obsession with targeting political opponents. Trump called James a racist. She's a black woman. He's a lily white piece of shit and slammed her for ranting and raving during her campaign for attorney general in 2018 that she would investigate him. Well, dude, you broke the fucking law. If she said, I'm not going to investigate him, that would be a bigger problem than saying she's going after lawbreakers like that motherfucker. Donald Trump went on to say, this is a gross prosecutorial misconduct. Fuck you, Donald Trump. You don't even know those three words. You can't fucking define them. James announced the lawsuit on Wednesday after conducting a three-year investigation and allegations that the Trump organization illegally inflated the value of its assets for the purpose of acquiring loans on more favorable terms and deflating them to save on taxes. That's illegal. That is fraud. Plain and simple, clear as black and white, that is fraud. The lawsuit also names three of his children who have played major roles in business, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Erica. Eric and James said in her press conference announcing the lawsuit that former president received help from former Trump Organization executives Alan Weisselberg and Jeffrey McConney. Everybody's in trouble. Everybody's going to get sued. The suit is seeking $250 million in financial penalties and asks the New York State Supreme Court to bar Trump and his family from serving as an officer of any corporation registered in New York. Trump said at his rally that the Justice Department should investigate James for abuse of power and that she should be removed from office. These prosecutors are out of control, he said. They're crazy. 
They're crazy because you broke the fucking law. Over and over again for decades, you became rich by grifting and fraudulent practices. Trump also criticized the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach him for his role in the January 20 or January 6, 2021 insurrection. Dude, two years ago, get over it. He pointed to eight of them either choosing not to run for re-election or losing their primaries to Republican challengers, specifically mentioning Representative Liz Cheney, who lost her primary, and Representative Adam Kinzinger, who chose not to run again, mainly because they changed the districts and it just wasn't going to work out for him. He said, one witch hunt after another has happened to him during the past six years, including from the unselect committee, that's clever, a reference to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. (laughs) It, It is amazing to me that he continues to be this arrogant, this ridiculous, when he's losing in such a big fucking way. I mean, he's losing big with the special master, with Georgia, with the January 6th committee. But you see what Donald Trump does here. He's a narcissist, as we've talked about before. And what he specializes in is being the tough guy until he's cornered, and then he's the fucking victim. And this is what he's going to play here uh, from here on out. He's going to be the fucking victim. He's going to try to get sympathy from the dumbest of us, the 30% that are his base. It'll work with them because they will believe anything. It will not work with the vast majority of the uh, public, anywhere from 75% to 70% of this country will not believe him, and it will not work for him. He can try all he wants, but he's flailing now. He's backed into a corner, and he has no way out. And uh, his alleged power to help people get elected is showing some problems, too. A trio of Donald Trump-backing gubernatorial candidates are flopping in their campaigns after winning their Republican primaries. The GOP candidates in three Midwestern battleground states, Michigan, my home state of Minnesota, and Wisconsin, are failing to attract voters or donations and running flimsy campaign operations to the dismay of fellow Republicans in the week ahead of in the weeks ahead of the November election, and blame is falling on the former president, reported the Daily Beast. This is part of the Trump legacy, said longtime GOP strategist Doug Hay. Candidates who otherwise would be considered fringe candidates can win nominations and hold Republicans back because they are unelectable in their state. Now, we mentioned Minnesota. Uh, Governor Walls is the governor of the state of Minnesota. He's a Democrat. And for all intents and purposes, even though I'm not a Democrat, he's done a decent job. But when you drive around town and you find the Trumplefucks with the signs in the yards, they'll constantly say, Walls failed. And my question to these folks, when I have occasion to talk to them, how is it he failed? Where did he fail? And they always refer back to the pandemic and closing down the uh, the businesses. And frankly, Governor Walls did a good job 
with the pandemic. You probably saved a lot of lives. Now, the Republicans didn't like businesses being shut down, but we didn't like having a fucking pandemic. And this goes back to the argument I had with my brother-in-law. I've talked about that before. The thing that set off the rage in my Trumple fuck relative. He kept talking about Governor Walls as a tyrant when he was closing down all the businesses. He's a tyrant. And I simply said to the guy, I said, you know, and... Uh, we had the guy at the top doing his fucking job at all, we wouldn't even be in this position. And, of course, that set him off. But that is true. All Walls could do is react to what Donald Trump didn't fucking do. And, 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 and the other thing, where did he fail? Where did Walls fail? I mean, Walls just ended up with a uh, billion-dollar surplus in the state of Minnesota's account. When's the last time a Republican's fucking done that? Now, both Michigan and Wisconsin had crowded and competitive GOP primaries, but voters backed former actress and MAGA media personality Tudor Dixon in (laughs) Michigan. Now, her name is Tudor Dixon. I just want to clarify this. The name is spelled T-U-D-O-R, as in the English term, not T-O-O-T-E-R. That would have been a more interesting name, and I would have loved to hear how she got that. Anyway, and businessman Tim Michaels in Wisconsin after Trump endorsed them, but neither has raised or spent much money on their general election campaigns. Despite Michaels having... uh, unlimited financial resources, he's still not putting them away the way he could be, said one GOP operative who has run races in Wisconsin. I don't see anything right now that would fundamentally shift the dynamic unless there's another black swan economic report coming out. Former uh, Representative Justin Amash who left the GOP in 2019 and did not run for re-election the following year, said he's hardly noticed there's a campaign for governor in Michigan, and what little attention Dixon has generated has been for oddball declarations like vowing to ban pornographic books from schools without specifics. I didn't know they had pornographic books in schools. I got to tell you, if there are, when I was 14, 15 years old, I would have loved the fuck out of that. She's running the shittiest campaign since the dawn of time, said Jeff Timmer, former executive director of the Michigan GOP. That's some pretty strong words from a politician. She's running an aggressive and low-budget campaign for school board, but she happens to be running for governor, Timmer added. It's hard to understate how... Unlike any other statewide campaign, Republican or Democratic, it is. There's just nothing to compare it to. Republicans have all but conceded COVID skeptic Scott Jensen, who will lose his race to unseat Minnesota Governor Tim Walls. And none of the three struggling candidates can count on Republican Governors Association to bail them out uh, at at this late in the game. Talk about Minnesota just real quickly because I live here. Um, Governor Walls, we talked about. He's been the governor for a while. He got us through the pandemic. He got us a billion-dollar surplus in the uh, coffers of the state of Minnesota. I don't know where he failed. I'd love to hear that. But he's running against 
a dentist, a dentist named Scott Jensen. Now, this dentist, I think he lost his license because of some of the things he said and did during COVID. He made ridiculous fucking claims that were absolutely a lie, and uh, that's what he's running on. You know, he's running as a trump The really big part of this that pisses me off more than anything about this this candidate for governor, it's his lieutenant governor. It's a guy by the name of Matt Burke. Now, he was a longtime center for the Minnesota Vikings. And he was well thought of. He was well liked. I guess prior to 2016, we didn't know who some of these trump were, but apparently Matt Burke, this former Viking, is a Trump-humper. And I heard some of the commercials he's done about abortion and all this other stuff, and it just angers me. Look, dude, you made a lot of money playing football. Why don't you rest on your laurels, open a fucking restaurant or do something? But you want to run for lieutenant governor. And the weird thing about it is because he has name recognition and Jensen doesn't, you see more Matt Burke signs as lieutenant governor than you see Jensen signs. How is that a winning fucking combination? You got a guy who isn't worth a shit, who's been uh, convicted of doing wrong things when it came to the pandemic, and he's a doctor. So you're focusing on the lieutenant governor like that makes a fucking difference. I got to tell you, I was a fan of Matt Burke. He'd been on the team for a long time. He's got a Harvard. Well, I don't know if he has a Harvard degree. I assume he does. That's where he played football. Um, But. Jesus Christ, I don't, you know, I don't, if Mother Teresa came out being a Trump humper, I'd hate that bitch too. So Matt Burke can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. Any, (laughs) any positivity I had for Matt Burke when he was a Viking is completely fucking gone. I have no interest in seeing him gain the lieutenant governorship under Jensen, who's a fucking idiot. So what we're saying is that all of these efforts by Donald Trump to get, you know, more people uh, elected is going the wrong fucking way, thankfully. Now, according to a report from the Washington Post on Donald Trump's exploding legal perils, some advisors in the former president's circle are fretting New York Attorney General Letitia James may be inflicting reputational damage to Trump by exposing him as quite a bit less wealthy than he was convinced his fans he is. Now, that's a poor sentence. I don't know who wrote that fucking sentence or that quote, but it needs some work. Anyway, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a big problem for him. And if you remember... His accounting firm finally did turn over his financial records to Letitia James. So she knows exactly what's going on. We know he's not a billionaire. We know he's lost more money than he's ever fucking made. So when that gets exposed, that's going to tear at his uh, credibility as far as a businessman and as a wealthy guy. I mean, he's lived his life off to be, off being that wealthy guy. And when we find out that he's not that wealthy, wealthy guy, a lot of people will turn away from him. As, as shallow as that sounds, it's true. You've got to consider the people that will be thinking this, and they're dumb fucks in the first place. 
As the report notes, Trump has numerous legal problems that are buffeting him from all sides, including a grand jury in Georgia looking into election fraud accusations, the DOJ battling the president over the theft of secret documents that could lead to an indictment under the Espionage Act or obstruction charges and the charges James made this week about real estate fraud. As the Post reports, Trump now has more than a dozen lawyers working on various probes against him with financial support for their effort coming from both the Republican National Committee and its political committee, Save America. They are separate sets of lawyers for each of the investigations. His political team has tried to cheer him up at times with positive tweets and other conservative news articles that he shares through his PAC's website. See, that's the thing. We're finding out now that he didn't know a lot of bad shit because these people were afraid to fucking tell him. According to one associate, he just rolls on and acts like all these things, at least to everyone around him, aren't slowing him down. However, that hasn't kept his inner circle from worrying about the reality of the situation they all find themselves in. Because Donald Trump is a sinking ship and... uh, All his buddies, all his little acolytes are standing on the fucking deck like the Titanic and are going to go down with that fucking ship. Among Trump's advisors, the January 6th investigation from the Justice Department and Mar-a-Lago document probe are widely viewed as the most wide-ranging and perilous to Trump and his inner circle. The report states before adding, but some advisors fear the biggest political damage could be done by Letitia James, as his wealth has long been part of his mystique to the Republican voters. Earlier this year, CNN reported that more and more questions were being raised about Trump's actual wealth, with political analysis Chris Cezilla recalling the former president made his wealth front and center when he first announced his 2016 presidential bid. At the time, Trump stated, I mean, part of the beauty of me is that I'm rich. So if I need $600 million, I can put $600 million in myself. That's a huge advantage. I must tell you, that's a huge advantage over the other candidates. Well, that's interesting. If that's true, then why does he have to grift all this money from his, his stupid-ass followers? Last thing we're going to talk about. And it really just exposes Donald Trump for how desperate he is. We talked about a recent rally where he embraced QAnon. As much as he kind of tried to stay separate from it earlier on, he's now embracing it because, frankly, he's got nothing else. QAnon once again became a theme at Donald Trump's Friday evening campaign rally in Wilmington, North Carolina. Trump was campaigning for the GOP U.S. Senate nominee, Ted Budd, as I mentioned earlier. For the third time at a rally in September, dramatic music played as Trump concluded his speech. It started in Pennsylvania on September 3rd as Trump campaigned for Republican Doug Mastriano and was repeated on September 17th as Trump stumped for J.D. Vance. Following the Ohio rally, the New York Times reported Trump delivered a dark address about the decline of America over music that was all but identical to a song called uh, Where We Go, One We Go All, WWG1WGA, an abbreviation for the QAnon slogan. 
As Mr. Trump spoke, scores of people in the crowd raised fingers in the air in an apparent reference to the one in what they thought was the song's title. It was the first time in memory of some Trump aides that such a display had occurred at one of his rallies. Now, on Friday, the Washington Post reported earlier this week, close advisors to former President Donald Trump grappled with a question, what do you do about the QAnon song, the melody, an orchestral theme featuring a swelling strings, gentle bell tones, and a brooding piano harmonies, was the soundtrack to a campaign-style video Trump released in August. But it wasn't until last Saturday's rally in Youngstown, Ohio, when the tune closed Trump's nearly two-hour speech, inspired the crowd to respond with raised arms and pointed index fingers that it broke through as a phenomenon. PBS NewsHour correspondent uh, Lisa Desjardins reported, Can confirm QAnon force Michael Brian Protzman is here at the Trump rally with a group of people in the center aisle a few rows back from the stage, Trump's podium. She posted a short video clip showing the people in the crowd holding their right arms raised above their heads with the first finger pointing to the stars. And this happened again through less widespread. It's now they confirm people at Trump rally who held one finger up that they meant it as a symbol of QAnon's where we go one where we go all. And further security staff here fanned out and told people to take down their fingers. That is a reason why maybe main reason we saw fewer, she explained. But they're cognitive enough to know that they shouldn't be aligning themselves with QAnon. Yet Donald Trump steps up there, gives QAnon drops, plays their fucking music, and just encourages them along. The people around Donald Trump know this is a bad thing. Donald Trump is fucking desperate, so he'll grasp anything, including the most vile cult we have in this country today. She added, Trump rally staff told me that folks in olive shirts and black pants were not security, but guest management. In my defense, it was an easy assumption. Shirts said security, but I was told it was as part of the name of their company, Colorado Security Agency. This is a big problem with Donald Trump when it comes to lawyers or his staff. They will advise him on better things to do or better ways to handle situations, but he just does whatever the fuck he wants. And that's why I've always said, let that fucker talk. Let that fucker act. If people think he is tied to QAnon, that is going to cost him votes. That is not going to get him votes for him or any of the people he represents. All right, we are going to wrap things up for this Rational Boomer podcast. Let's hope for better days. I know they will be. I never go into anything thinking I'm going to lose. So tomorrow will be a better day in terms of this whole process I went through today. Apologize if I seem more annoyed than usual, but it was because I was fucking annoyed by a number of things. But you know what? I never think about what happened yesterday. I let that fucking go because it has no bearing on what happens today. So when I do the Rational Boomer podcast for tomorrow and the TikToks, it'll be a clean slate 
and we'll be back on fucking track. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me rant today. I will be back tomorrow. You have a great day, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.